Today's episode features Rev Partners, specifically Brandon Tolleson and Matt Bolian, co-founders and CEO and CRO respectively, who have grown to the diamond tier of the HubSpot Solutions Partner Program faster than any other partner before them. However, despite the name of this show, Brendan and Matt will be the first to tell you they are not an agency. Instead, they offer revenue operation services through a model they call revenue as a service. In our conversation, we talk about what RevOps means to their team and the problems they solve by offering RevOps support. And after telling me that Rev Partners is fundamentally not an agency, I ask why they draw such a hard line in the sand and what's wrong with being an agency. We then talk about their ascent to the diamond tier and they share how they made it happen, including the key markets, the motions, the hires, and the processes that enabled that type of growth at that speed. Agency Unfiltered starts now. Hello, welcome to Agency Unfiltered. How you guys doing? Good, Kevin. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's a great day. Yep, we're. Uh, I'm psyched to talk to you guys. I mean, I don't want to just like spoil the episode here, but uh, we we have a, a celebrity in our midst in the fact that Rev Partners is the fastest diamond tiering partner uh, in the history of the Solutions Partner Program. At least at this moment in time, you know, maybe we're going to motivate somebody else. Uh, to, to now beat your record, but uh, a celebrity in our midst. That's great. Congrats, guys, on that. We appreciate it. We uh, we always invite competition, so anyone is welcome to try and challenge our five-month record. Uh, good luck. <laughs> and now we're giving them the secret <laughs> yeah. sauce, too, man, so they can just execute your playbook. <laughs> That's so, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, get the cheat codes. Now, for the folks listening in, uh, where are you two dialing in from? We are both in Atlanta. Um, I am outside the perimeter if you're in Atlanta, um, and then Brendan is inside the perimeter, and uh, so he makes fun of people that are outside the perimeter. <laughs> I, I don't do that. However, yes, he is OTP, and I am ITP. That's a good distinction to make. Are those? Is that an acronym that uh, Georgians, Atlanteans, is that a familiar acronym for folks that are based in Atlanta? It's an obnoxious acronym that most Atlanta people would know, yes. Yeah, it, it's a way people in inside the perimeter make fun of people outside the perimeter. Um, so inside the perimeter, people know it. Now, and I'll tell you guys this too, and we don't have to harp on this, uh, but my Tom Brady fandom isn't really a, oh, it's, it's a poorly kept secret. And so, I mean, since we last spoke, as you guys can tell, I've kind of flipped around my orientation so we don't have to flaunt the Super Bowl headline uh, uh, in, in my background. So I did that to make you guys feel more comfortable. I I, I appreciate that. Um yeah, your Red Sox beat my Braves last yeah, night. Uh, I'm going to the, to the, yeah, 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 and I'm, I'm going to the game tonight. So we'll see if we have any uh, any luck. But I am a Hawks fan. I know this probably won't be uh, posted during the playoffs. However, we just pulled uh, a non Atlanta thing by coming back from about 26 points in the last quarter. So that was a uh, was a good reminder of me of the Patriots victory over my Falcons in the Super Bowl. Yeah, you can't ever count. I uh, can't count a team out. And I mean, the Sixers fumbled the bag on that, so that's a huge win. Well, hopefully, mm. maybe we'll look back at this fondly. Like that was that's the step they needed to win the NBA championship. So hopefully, we look back fondly <laughs> at this moment. In time. Um, all right, it guys. Be, well, be nice. we're not here to talk sports, unfortunately, uh, but we are here uh, to talk about a couple other things as it relates to solutions partners 
and maybe specifically with you two, uh, RevOps. Uh, obviously, the your team is Rev Partners, uh, and I think just a good a good baseline here. Obviously, it's a word and it's a term that's floating around. A lot of people are using it, especially in the HubSpot ecosystem. And so let's just let's just anchor to the to the definition that you two use for revenue operations or RevOps. Like, what does that mean to you uh, and the Rev Partners team? So when we were prepping for uh, this, uh, I told Brendan I'd go first, uh, but we like to switch things up in the moment. Take a stab at it first, Brendan. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I was not expecting that. Uh, so fundamentally, our, our, our role and responsibility when we partner with our uh, clients, and we call them partners, is to help them drive revenue. And that's really where we focus our time and effort. And from a, we focus on RevOps. And we, when we think about RevOps, in terms of, there's kind of two ways to think about it in my mind is what we do, what we enable. Uh, and what we do when we think about how we define RevOps, it's, it's really a combination of data and process to ultimately empower the organization to make data-informed decisions. And so Channing at HubSpot talks a lot about how RevOps is, the benefit of it is hindsight, insight, foresight. And that to us is really about the data. And so it's helping organizations understand where you've been, where you're today, and where you're going. And so if you can provide predictability in the revenue engine, uh, that's immense value. And so what we do at our organization is really partner alongside these companies to say, hey, you, you're here, you want to go there. Here's what the data is saying. Here's how we can build a strategy and ultimately help you execute that. Uh, so that's how I would start it. But Matt, feel free to challenge and uh, uh, uncover things that I missed. No, I love it. It's so we talk a lot about revenue operations. And so you hear this and you read this everywhere. Revenue operations is the combination of marketing, sales, and customer, customer ops um, um, and decreasing silos. And then they, a lot of times talk about it as a hierarchy. You know, you are now hiring one person to own all your tech, your tech stacks. They get a lot of gobbledygook. Look, revenue operations, let me just be clear about this. It's, it's a word. Um, and it is the same thing everyone's always been doing. It is how do you make money? And the, the only the only difference in revenue operations are now there's all these processes that exist, right? You have marketing processes like how do you do lead scoring? How do you do inbound transition from your lead to how do you do your MQL to SQL? How do you do your territory management? How do you do your commissions? How do you do renewal tracking? Those have always existed. The the difference is now there are there's technology in the back end that can optimize these processes that have created a well, use the word but ton but just a lot of of of, of SaaS products and so you now have to be uh, not only do you have to be strategic you have to be tactical in understanding how to implement and to create one and for the first time it's actually you're able to create data structures that exist from marketing to customer success so. What he's going is we really, we help create, we help sync processes to create data. And then we weaponize the data for the processes they, uh, they're fired through. So that's how we think about revenue. Operations. That's great. I like weaponizing data. Uh, I also liked the hindsight, insight, foresight. That seems to be a really effective mental model. Like that sticks with you. Um, I've heard silos and I've heard processes. So like, what are the problem statements that you listen to and speaking to prospects or existing clients, existing partners, et cetera, like what problems are you two solving or your team solving by offering like RevOps support or RevOps as a service, I think is how you explain it on your website. What are the acute problems that you solve? So I'll, I'll take a stab at this at the beginning. So there's acute problems that that when we come with partners that they are articulating. And so usually something like this, I cannot track if I'm winning or losing. And so when you get in, 
the the reason they can't track is always different, but it uh, but it will come in and it will come in, out differently in different silos. <laughs> so uh, a, 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 silo, a salesperson will say the MQLs are getting are worthless, and there's no reason for me to spend time with them. So I'm going over here. So that's indicative of a problem of how are we doing lead scoring? How are we doing? And so that's a process, right? The sales, the VP of sales may say, I don't know if we're going to hit my quarter goal. And I, my guy, I have one guy who always hits it and another guy who doesn't. And I don't know how to make sure and forecast it correctly. That's a sales up. Is it a sales stage issue? Are we tracking requirements correctly? And they're just, they're, so they're, there's so many different problem statements that exist. And so part of revenue operations is knowing, and I say this is, it's like Legos. You have to know the questions kind of like all the issues before you go in. So you can, so you know what Lego is missing. And so we come out, we figure out what Legos are and then we help them build a bigger, a better Death, Death Star Lego so they can shoot it. So, yeah, I think the, um, if I were to summarize what Matt's describing, it's we're giving clarity to the organization. And so the way that we think about it is, um, he's kind of talking about this like symptom root cause concept of like what is really causing the friction within your organization. And that friction can exist at different points in the journey. And so when we look at where do we focus our time in terms of the work streams that we identify and attack, it could be top of funnel. I mean, it, it truly could be that they don't have enough MQLs. It could be the MQL to SQL conversion, meaning they're getting leads in, but they're not converting into sales opportunities that sales is accepting. Or it could be that the SQL to close is not where it needs to be. So that conversion rate is low. And then we'll look at like the stage conversion. So are you, are they, these things staying in stage too long? And so that gets into the average sales cycle. You get into average deal size. Th these are these different variables that inevitably impact your ability to either win or lose. And that's what we help our customers not only identify, but then attack. That's great. I mean, it just feels like there's so many different branches that these like just like exploratory type calls or conversations can go down because it's hard to diagnose early exactly where is the pain point, where is the silo, where is the inefficient process. Do you guys have like a, a rule of thumb or a best practice like to kick off that conversation? What is like the best open ended question you could ask to like start uh, start identifying the right Legos? And I don't know if I'm using that metaphor right, but so, you know what I mean? So, uh and I'm going to say this. The first question fundamentally is this, and it's very simple. It's, do you want to grow? So if someone does not want to grow, that doesn't matter. Um, so when, when we come in, it's the first question, do you want to grow? Okay, tell me, walk me through. In five years, where do you want to be? And so we start big, and then we slowly go down. And we all And there's a few metrics we're always looking at. Brendan's already talked about some of them. But it is... Hey, do you know your average deal size? Do you know your sales cycle? And do you know your close rate? And, and if, if they don't know those things, then we are stopping. We're having a bigger discussion. But those that do you want to grow? Okay, you want to grow? Where do you want to go? Okay, you, you want to go there? Give me these three. Oh, you don't know them. Let's help you fix it. So that, that's how we do it. That's the do not pass go piece. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it always starts with the growth piece. Because that informs where we what, what we're going to do together, and oftentimes your your the first question you had in terms of how we engage, um, what the client thinks they need is oftentimes what they don't need, uh, and so when we build out like our engagement model, hey, let's do an SOW of here's what we're going to prioritize. They'll give us this sheet, and we'll just you know just completely throw it in the trash um, because what they think they need is complete opposite, and so it's I would say eighty to ninety percent of the time. 
what the identified need is originally um, is deprioritized and we're attacking other areas. And so we typically use a first 90 days as that ability to say, hey, let's set the foundation and really understand where we need to prioritize and to attack in, in order to get you to where you want to go. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. Now, uh, in previous conversations that that us three have had, you've been pretty clear in that, well, Rev Partners fundamentally is not an agency. Uh, why did you decide to draw such a hard line in the sand on that? Uh, and maybe just what's your take on like, what would be wrong with being a RevOps agency? What's your stance on it? Matt, since you flipped it on me for the first question, I'm going to flip <laughs> it on you. How about you start? That feels fair. That feels fair. Yeah. <laughs> So this is this is my visceral response when I hear agency is um, before transitioning into uh, revenue operations, uh, like uh, a solutions partner, we uh, was running revenue operations, and I have I fired lots of agencies. So I uh, so it's just like I don't like agencies. It's just like this like immediate thing because of just there's like an operation like they, they they never got the whole picture. So. We were, we were thinking about that, like, why would you not call us an agency? And, and, and here's here's my just push back into any, anybody that's going to this is like, we've talked about revenue operations and we defined it as this holistic view. And we said it's all being centralized. So really what's happening is you're having this increasing amount of data being done. You're having a realization that from executives that this data must be seen holistically. And so agencies is, uh, it is the word agency is with marketing. So if you are an agency, you do marketing. And so when we came as like, we do not just do marketing. And if you, and we, and we're not you know, like, we are not like, we are not siloing ourselves in that. Um, and so part of our, like saying we aren't, aren't this thing is to make sure people understand we're, how we're looking at the problem. And so rev ops agencies, um, it's just like, you can't niche on marketing anymore. And I, and I, I'll, I'll stand by that. I'll say like, people are doing it, but like, if you want to grow, uh, and be the fastest partner. And I was about to hit diamond. You cannot just be an agency. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to how we were defining RevOps at the beginning, meaning we start with data and we work out. We don't start with brand and messaging and personas and the work in, it just doesn't work that way. And so when you think about what, why the category of RevOps exists, it's kind of driven by three core components. There's the buyer's journey, buyer's journey changing, there's a tools proliferation and there's bad data. Uh, and so in our mind, when you talk about what's really causing RevOps is this misalignment uh, between sales and marketing. And so for us, it's let's let's be that hub that sits in between all go-to-market motions that we can create uh, clarity uh, and cohesion, ultimately um, alignment between all these different organizations. That's great. Now, you mentioned tools proliferation there. Um, so... Uh, Obviously, Rev, Rev Partners, not an agency. And the, the thought there makes a ton of sense. Obviously, your solutions partner. In regards to tools proliferation, is is there systems requirements to enable Rev RevOps uh, and like improving your RevOps um, uh, function at your business? Obviously, you guys were close to HubSpot. This is a HubSpot podcast. Like, is, Rev, uh, is RevOps only achievable uh, or like an efficient RevOps function achievable only with HubSpot? Oh, well, Matt, maybe you should give them the background of our view on HubSpot. I think that might be a, a fun little topic. I don't know all that you mean, but I'm going to say my short answer is no, that you can have revenue operations outside of HubSpot. Um, so, but I think the, the question, and this is where Brennan is like, how did we end up 
on HubSpot. So we we came out with this idea. We're going to do revenue revenue operations as a service. We're only going to do value based. It's all we're going to do no projects, and only if we're going to be your revenue operations department. So in order to do that, we're like, hey, what what system is the one that's going to help us? Like this theory that revenue operations can be repeated over and over, and it's a bunch. It's a Legos. So what are we go like? What's the base of our Lego platform? And so when we were doing that, we start we we started with Active Campaign. And so we didn't care whether, like when we started, HubSpot wasn't calling itself a CRM yet. They were just calling, they were still calling themselves a marketing automation platform. So we, we had a customer in Salesforce. We had a customer in HubSpot. We had a customer in ActiveCampaign. We had a customer in Microsoft Dynamics. We had a customer in PyDrive. Like you name them, we had them. Uh, and so as we started doing it and we started like doing this data, we're like, wow, we don't have to integrate as much things when we do HubSpot. And it works. And it's actually easier to use. And so we started ta- we started recommending that and to our partners. And that's how we naturally ended up on, on HubSpot. And it just it's it's a more seamless and we talk about tools proliferation. We do not have to integrate as many tools in order to create the data pool that you need to be able to make data informed decisions. That's how we ended up on HubSpot. Yeah, where I was going with that too, just to provide clarity is uh I mean, we come more from like a Salesforce, Microsoft background, just from a tools perspective. And I remember when Matt brought up HubSpot, I was like, no, not doing it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not the right tool. It's a marketing automation tool. Matt was like, um, I was hoping that so, wouldn't come out, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you asked for the honest, yeah, honest for sure. answer. So that, that, that's, that's where we started. But it, and it gets back to what Matt's describing is like we, and I'm not the one that created this this way of describing it, but like tools are an enabler and accelerator, not a solution. And so we always start with like system design, like what, how do we need to architect their environment to ultimately facilitate the data informed decisions? And so once we understood, okay, this is what we're trying to create and replicate across multiple instances, what tool helps orchestrate that? Uh, and to what Matt's describing, uh, having a singular solution from a tooling perspective that doesn't require a Frankenstein approach was immensely valuable for us, not only to scale, but ultimately to add value to our partners. Yeah. Um, I, I love uh, the, the visualization of the systems architecture. I think, Matt, you mentioned too that, hey, we just didn't have to integrate as much stuff. Um, but I would imagine that there's still plenty of integrations that need to happen and systems that need to speak to and hear from HubSpot uh, for your clients. Do you guys handle some of the more technical connections and integrations in-house How'd you build up your expertise or skill set in that area? Like, w- walk me through how you handle like more robust systems integrations, uh, you know, th- things of that nature. This may get into how uh, part of the strategy, or at least what we think was a contributing factor to us moving fast for in the HubSpot ecosystem. It's we do everything in house, uh, specifically te- technical. So when we think about is. I come from a very, like a technical, I was an operator. I was the system admin. I was the revenue operations strategy was thinking about how we're going to market. And so we're, we already knew how to use all the systems. It's uh, like, these are fundamentally just relational databases that you are creating objects for and you're, and you're just creating data. Um, So we knew it was very important for us to be, to do revenue operations. You must have a fundamental understanding of that. So I came with that and then we hired someone that like, was a coder uh, as our, actually our first hire um, oh, wow. investing in that to be able yes. to do it. Yeah. Um, so let's actually, let's use that. If that's, if that's, uh, you know, kicked open the door a little bit, let's just go down that route. So again, we've said a couple of times, you guys have grown to diamond tier faster than uh, any other partner before you. So obviously we talked about in-house 
technical work, you hired a developer early, but like how else or what else did you put into practice to make that growth and that speed happen? I'll, I'll start with this. I think this is important. And just as I've seen other companies start um, is there's two people on this podcast. There's not one person. So I think this is really important. If you want to move fast and you're going to like owning a business is hard. It is isolating. Um, and it is, and it's like, it is difficult and to move fast and to make, to take, sometimes to take the risk uh, it, it, it takes to be able to move that fast. Uh, you need someone that you can lean on in, in times of difficulty. And so for me, uh, I mean, HubSpot was created for two founders. And so you're like, is it's just doing it solo um, is do not do it solo. Have a co-founder and be in like, it, it's okay to give up half the equity because you're creating something that will be so much bigger and it will be so much more fun. And number two is you're thinking about like, who's that, who's that founder look like um, for us, for me and Brendan, it is, we are, we're different where I have some technical chops that Brendan doesn't. And then he has networks and the ability, if you know, he's a salesperson here clearly as he's talking. Uh, to be able to communicate better, but it, it, the fundamentally we are, we are much of the same person. So is we also like, we agree on things we, and, and we, we, we dated before we ever, uh, we ever started. So there's this like dating period, there's an engagement period, and then we went all, all in together. So just don't, just don't like at the tip of the hat going with somebody, but do not do it alone either. So that'd be number one, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that, uh, I, I agree with everything that Matt just said. And it's, um, I could never do this alone. Uh, there's no way it would have been possible. And even I was looking at, you know, one of your, one of the HubSpot co-founders recently wrote that um, conflict between co-founders is oftentimes what kills companies. Um, and so don't do it alone, but also make sure you identify a, a co-founder that you can work well with. That not only that you, that has strengths and skill sets that you admire, but also uh, a relationship aspect that enables you to work well together and ultimately to thrive. And so what Matt was describing too is like, it was okay for us to give away equity because there are more important things to life and ultimately to this business than just uh, holding on to all the money. Uh, it just, that's not how we wanted to build this business. And ultimately we want to be good stewards of our, our people and our partners and ultimately the community that we're a part of. Yeah. Um, that's number one. Do you have a follow-up question? Well, I was just saying it's a, it's a great tip. How long does the dating period last? Like, I would imagine that, like, formally agreeing to become co-founder, like, that in and of itself must have been a laborious process. So, like, how quick did that move? How fast did that relationship become official like, co-founder? You know what I mean? Like, well, you mentioned dating, you know. You know. Well, you know how uh, you hear your friends and they met each other and, like, three weeks, three months later, they're getting married? Uh, so, that's more of our story, but what that looked at, what that looked like is we would, we, we'd spent time with each other walking around the soccer field uh, and talking about dreams and talking about uh, like our, our, you know, like personal issues, our children, our family, where we wanted to be, who we were, that's how it started. And then, and then, and then it was, and then the idea and the dream came up starting a business together. And then we had got one client. So you talk about the engagement, there's an engagement period where you do something together so yes, we started a company, but I don't really see that as a, that's the start of the company. But we still had full time jobs for uh, for 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 a time before we like quit our jobs and made this our full time thing. And so that I would consider our our date our engagement. And I think that's important. Yeah, that makes sense. Sounds like you guys was like a shotgun. It was a shotgun co foundership. Well, ironically, yes. we actually met at a wedding. So no, speaking of shotgun, <laughs> the metaphor uh, holds through. So, um, yeah, exactly. 
But Matt, I think you you were teeing up a, a second item you may have had there. Yeah, and we got we got a few of these. Number two is um, investment. Um, and Brandon, you were is you want to go on this one? Is sure. Yeah, I mean we we uh, so Matt mentioned we were doing this um, while having full time jobs, and at some point that was not sustainable. <laughs> and it was it was a scary thought of like we we had to make a decision if we're going to burn the ships or not. Uh, meaning we're going to go all in. Or, or we're going to stay in the comfort of a, you know, a secure job. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Matt and I both uh, have families. Uh, and so that kind of decision is very daunting. Uh, and so we were fortunate to, you know, identify a partner uh, that we wanted to get investment from who not only provided a capital, but ultimately provided, um, you know, we had common values and ultimately provided a network for us. Uh, but what was most important, the reason why we wanted to take investment is we wanted to grow beyond ourselves. Uh, and so oftentimes what we see in this kind of agency world uh, within HubSpot is that it's, it's really hard to get beyond yourself. And what I mean by that is uh, the founders are the ones ultimately doing delivery for the clients. They're, they're selling, but they're also delivering. They're never able to get out of that rabbit, that, was it rabbit wheel or hamster wheel? Uh, and so for us, that was one of the core reasons we said, hey, we're going to take money and we're going to overinvest early so that we can get beyond just us. And that's how we're going to scale. Yeah, to, to piggyback on this is um, we got investment. <laughs> we got investment. Uh, there's a network effect when you get investment from cause like they're, they like put you into their portfolio companies. Yeah, it's great. It's like how it's it's, a, it's it's like it's good. But this is you get money uh, and then you're able to you can sleep at night. <laughs> you're not, you don't have to be profitable at the beginning. I mean, it's a crazy thing. Um, and so you can invest in, and this is the next, like for us, it's invest in operations early. So like yeah, our first hire was a, our first two hires were six figure hires. I should be like clear, like this is not like uh, us coming is like we, we hired all stars from the very beginning that were better than us. And I think that like when you think about like, how, how do you move fast? It's not by trying to train somebody and get them up. Like it is by getting people that are better than you and then help and then giving the reins over quickly uh, and enabling it. So like our first were our chief operating officer and our senior architect uh, first as an architect. How did you know those were the first two hires that you needed to or wanted to make? Like, how did you identify like, okay, we need a COO in here. It's whatever problem um, is keeping you up at night. Uh, and so for, for, for me, it was like, man, I cannot continue building everything. We need someone who can code. Okay. Let's do that. Hey, I am feeling overwhelmed and I cannot systematically repeat and rinse everything. We need someone to help think about doing operations. That's all they think about. Not also joining Brendan to be a sales engineer on a call and not trying to do this HubSpot thing. I just need someone doing nothing but operations. Uh, and so that's how we do it. It's just the problem that was the most immediate. And I think that I want to say that what's interesting to what Matt just described is when we talk about the evolution of the company, when we were first starting, we thought that's what Matt was going to do. Like it was the whole the COO concept of he was going to drive process, drive operations, delivery, like he was going to own that. Uh, and what we quickly realized is like that's while wow, Matt, so you, everyone in this call needs to realize that Matt is like a, a superstar, can do anything. Uh, the guy has like 25 certifications in HubSpot. Um, but the but what we realized quickly is while he can do it, that's not what gives him energy and what gives him to thrive. And so coming back to like one of the reasons we even started this business is like, how do we create an environment in which we can put people in positions where they not only function well, but ultimately feel like they are alive. <laughs> and that was not where Matt wanted to be. And so we wanted to solve for that.
Uh, and Andrew Leiden, who's the COO of our business, has been, um, I mean, we would not be where we're at today without Andrew Leiden. Hmm. Uh, he has fundamentally uh, built our process, built a standardization, how we deliver what we deliver. Um, he has been a godsend for us as, as we've built this, this organization. And just for uh, context through pulling it to today, how big is the team now? So we're we're about, I mean, we're what, Matt, 15 right now? I think we're at 15, and then we are uh, thinking about hiring another five next wow. month. Or in the, like, so, like, it's going to be uh, where at this point we are, uh, we'll probably end up at 25, 30 by the end of the end of the year. It's exciting. Explosive. Um, now, if I'm uh, uh, newer to the partner program, maybe uh, I'm, I'm, I'm at gold uh, and I, I'm, I'm just trying to like break through. Um, what else was there? I know you were numbering a match. Uh, any other tips that, that you have in your pocket that you'd want to share for these types of folks? Yeah, we got two more tips, um, big ones. So another one is this idea of staying focused. So if you have, and so this is part of, if you have not made your one year, three-year goal, um, and when I mean that, like a very specific strategic goal and nested everything you do within, within, within like a framework, uh, you're not going to hit your goals. Um, so we have like from day one is we had a mission and a vision that were nested within each other and then five pillars within, within those mission and vision. And we have done nothing outside of that. So let me give you an example. One of our goals. Uh, so we had, we had, uh, we had three, we have three external goals. One of them is called HubSpot Heroes. Uh, one of them is called Referral Me Crazy. And it was called content cougar. So we knew that we would not be able to have inbound traffic or inbound leads for the first six to eight months. So we were going to rely heavily on referrals. So we deliberately pursued that. And that's how we were able to move so fast. HubSpot Heroes. One of our goals was to have HubSpot recognize, like get ingrained with HubSpot. And like, that's why we're on this agency. Like, like this, this, this podcast is a deliberate function of what we set out to do at the beginning of the year. Um, and so we do nothing outside of those strategic goals. So like, if you don't have that set up and you haven't stopped long enough to do it, stop what you're doing and, and create it. Um, and we have a very specific way. If you want to reach out, you can always reach out to us after this and we, we can help. Is it, is it and this was, a, this is an idea that, that Rob Foreman, one of our advisors, he's the co-founder of Sales Loft in Atlanta, uh, recommend that we do. And it, it, it seems like a tedious and laborious exercise, uh, but it is well worth it. Uh, and so I would recommend any, founder uh, or co-founder within the, you know, the agency's, you know, model to do this because uh, that clarity it ultimately gives direction uh, and it helps give focus. And ultimately uh, when you have that clarity, it all it typically <laughs> drives execution. Uh, and so that's, we've been very laser focused on that in terms of how we've operated. Is it, uh, is the goal setting process or like the pillar development process, is it an art or a science? Like how do you guys uh, dissect and like figure out, all right, this constitutes a pillar like this is one of the five that we should prioritize. Like what, just walk me through the, the process. So I'm going to, um, I think uh, most things are more 80% science, 20% art. Um, so just that's where I land in that. If you were to like do that pendulum swing in general, maybe 90% science. So let's walk through these. Let's, let's walk through our three external ones, just for example. So we have HubSpot Heroes, Referral Me Crazy, Content Cougars. So how did we come up with these? So Content Cougars means literally the thing is making a butt ton of, content specific around very specific keywords that we've identified because we want to have inbound to decrease our customer acquisition cost. And that's built into our financial model. How did we decide that? Like we knew that was a strategy we had to pursue. And there's very specific keywords we've already done for, for that. Referrals. 
We knew we would not be able to be able to make it unless we had a referral network. It's why we took investment. It's and we've like deliberately gone after very specific renewal, like referral networks, like VCs in the Southeast that have portfolios within yeah. one into one to twenty. Very specific. HubSpot Heroes is like there's a um, is we uh, there's very specific programs within HubSpot, the advanced onboarding program, the accelerator. Like there's these things that will help you, and so like. We, we took our leads, we took the number of, uh, of deals we had to have, and then we associated each one of those with one of those pillars and that, and we are tracking those, uh, to whether we're hitting. So it is, yes, there's a little bit of strategic, uh, but it's mostly science that then you then take and you, the art form is the words because you're like HubSpot Heroes is great. Right. And then, so, well, I would say this, so, yeah, it aligns well with this whole RevOps narrative that it's 80 or 90% science and only 10% art, right? That would go against, I think, the true nature of, of what you guys have been saying about RevOps. So that checks out. I think that checks out, that balance. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's honest, it's a lot of what we did for ourselves, what we do for our, for our partners. Um, and it's, it gets back to like, hey, where, are you, where do you want to go? Uh, and what are the initiatives and tactics that you can incorporate that's ultimately going to help you get from point A to point B? Uh, and so it's a very similar exercise that we do with, with a lot of our clients. But the one thing I will say that Matt didn't mention, so you talked about our three external. We also had two internal. Uh, and so this gets back to like why we started the business. And it was, you know, not only to serve, you know, our partners, meaning the people that we, uh, our clients, but it's really around how do we create an environment uh, for our people? And so how do we love our people well? And so one of the reasons we took investment is let's be <laughs> generous with how we treat our people and like, how can we create an environment where they not only thrive, but we're also creating vehicles and mechanisms by which we can take care of them. Uh, and then ultimately get, uh, get good is the other uh, initiative that's internal. And that's really all around uh, how do we create a delightful experience for our partners? Um, and so that's, that's, those are the five. So Matt mentioned the, the three external, but the two internal are also just as important. Yeah, well, it to put more color, it's love employees, get good, love employees. Like we give a hundred percent, we pay for all benefits. Uh, we have every Friday, the last Friday, every month off. There's the things we couldn't do if we didn't have investment. And so we didn't want to have a company if you couldn't have these things and get good. <laughs> like, is like these operate. That's why we hired Andrew Lydon at the beginning. So like nothing we do exists without these five pillars. And that's what I'm trying to land down. You guys have those, but we do have one last one and it is called, um, Fail fast, fail forward, and move. So we have these five pillars, but what they do not do is stop us from moving and executing and then pivoting if it does not work. So I just think it's important is you can get you can get paralysis um, and it's just like just move. Like like it's like, well, we have these strategies, like HubSpot Heroes, like just this example, HubSpot Heroes is like this is what I mean by this like strategy and art thing is like or this art and science is like well, if I want HubSpot to know, like if I want to do really well in HubSpot, what are some things I should do? And you can sit there. It's like, just get every certification you can and like get, get just, just do it. Like, uh, and don't worry about if it's right or not, because it's like generally in the right direction. Um, just as example, just like, and you can pivot and just create like, like do every HubSpot certification. Do listen to every agency unfiltered, consume every book, uh, get a play, execute the play. And if the play doesn't work, change the play and, and just keep going and moving fast. Uh, and I think we just get, you get caught up with just. Analysis, like paralysis, if yeah, you will, yeah. right? They just yeah. sit there. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you're preaching yeah. to the choir here, certifications, agency unfiltered. So I can't tell if you're buttering me up or if that's true <laughs> advice, but uh You've mentioned, so it's like fail, I forget the exact, but you mentioned like 
it's okay with failure, change the plan and pivot. Do you guys have an anecdote or a story of like, no, we moved fast and, and we actually failed at that. And so we, we pivoted. Like, do you guys have a, a specific uh, tale to tell on that front? I do. If you don't, Brendan, it is. So when we first start, we actually landed on a, <laughs> we, we were moving really fast. We made a bet and we said active campaign is going to be what we're going to build our entire business on. Uh, and we actually started moving our partners over to active campaign, like proactively. And then we got into it and we realized, and so this is what I mean, like we moved before we actually did all the analysis. And so we started trying to do, Hey, can I trigger and do this calculation on this field and then move here? You, hey, you can't do that. And so we, we had moved several, we, we were starting to move partners over to active campaign. Uh, and then we had to, uh, we realized it was the wrong decision and we went and you'll see this is what I mean. Move fast. Like, and then we went all in at HubSpot and that was a different story. And that's how we got here. So we went all like, we went all in on active campaign and we really, oh crap. We, we stopped. We like yeah. pushed in the emergency break, started doing it and did a, did a, like a, a 360 and just started running towards HubSpot. Yep. Um, and that's what I mean by like move fast and then go all in and do not be afraid to just break things yeah. and just move fast. Yeah. Well, it sounds like even the pivot should move fast, right? Like you guys didn't linger on like the sunk cost fallacy or anything like that. Decision was made, pivot equally as fast. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, um, one, of, one of the things, Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Brent. No, you're, you're good. I, I, yeah. I think one of the, what I was going to mention, and this is something that Andrew Lydon, uh, our COO uh, implemented is a, uh, is this feedback as a gift concept? And so that's like one of our, I don't know if it's an operating principle or it's not even a value, but it's like core to how we operate. And it's like, we we actually give each other feedback on what's being done. But the idea here is that we're really empowering our team. Like this gets back to why we took investment and why we want to get beyond that. Like we want our, our teammates to ultimately drive this business. Uh, and so we are sometimes stretching them and I've been saying, you actually own this and you make the decision and it's okay if you fail, like we're here to support you. Uh, and, but you know, own it when you do fail uh, and then fix it and we'll help you fix it. Uh, but it's not, we don't want to create an environment where we like ch just chastise people and create a critical environment. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a very much a collaborative type of space that we want to facilitate for, for our team. That's great. I mean, we have a slogan over here on HubSpot, right? Feedback is the breakfast of champions. It's a, it's a, it's a Brian Halligan quote. So uh, we're, yeah, we align with that methodology or that principle framework value, however you'd want to label it. Um, final question for you both. We're just about out of time here. Uh, we end every episode with this question. Uh, what would you say is the weirdest part of agency life? Brandon, you get to go first. I didn't, I didn't have an answer ready for this one. Um, you start, Matt. You, I think you might have one. Yeah, I've listened to every Agency Unfiltered podcast that's come out, and I knew it was coming. Um, I, I'm always surprised when people are like, oh, I didn't know that question was coming. <laughs> um, we're not an agency, so I don't like I, – I can't answer the question. Like You're like, what is agency life? I don't know. I don't live it. That's fair. That's a fair push. <laughs> I, I i would say what it has been i don't say about agency life i the reality is we started this business during COVID. Yeah. so what is interesting is i haven't even met half of our team like physically um and so building a business in this distributed environment where it's a work from anywhere concept there's a lot of great aspects of it like you can focus on hiring the best people as opposed to like who's in your geo but we still haven't met everybody uh, and so that's, that's an interesting, uh, I don't know if it's weird, but it's just a observation as it relates to how we built this and what would be different. Uh, 
for, for what, what we built so far. No, it's definitely weird. I think a lot of people feel that that same sort, like same sort of strangeness, right? To to newly built teams. Maybe next time I'll ask you both what's the weirdest part of revenue operations partnership life. Maybe that's a better way to to to, <laughs> to flip that question over to you both. Um, but anyways, guys, uh, we're we're out of time. So uh, again, thank you both for dialing in uh, for for chatting through uh, RevOps uh, and then through your growth story. Obviously, tremendous growth uh, set you up well, I would imagine, for uh, trajectory moving forward. So best of luck to you both. Congrats on the growth. And, and thank, you, uh, thank you for joining us today. Roger that, Kevin. Thank you. Stay awesome. Keep doing it big. Thanks, Kevin. Cool, guys. All right. That has been another episode of Agency Unfiltered. Thanks for tuning in.